TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. For decades, there's been an uneasy relationship stretching across the Taiwan Strait between China and Taiwan. China wants Taiwan as part of itself while Taiwan has steadfastly clung to its hopes for independence. The re-election of Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen is stoking fresh concerns that Beijing may be running short on patience for a peaceful reunification. Joining the crisis next door to talk about the recent developments is Jessica Drun, a non-resident fellow with the Project 2049 Institute, an Arlington, Virginia think tank focused on trends in the Asia-Pacific region, and she also publishes the Asia Eye blog. Jessica, thank you for joining The Crisis Next Door. Thank you for having me. Taiwan's President Tsai won re-election by a landslide, and many observers have chalked this up to her stance against China. And President Tsai told the BBC that Taiwan doesn't need to declare itself as an independent state, that Taiwan is already an independent country called the Republic of China, Taiwan. How has this gone over with China's President Xi Jinping and the rest of China's leadership? Well, I think it's important to first um, emphasize that the DPP's policy, at least in recent years, has always been that the Republic of China is already independent, that there isn't a need to declare Taiwan as independent, and that this is more or less in line with the opposition KMT's position, which is that the Republic of China um, is sovereign. For China, I think the difficulty lies in the fact that it came from the DPP, which has always had a contentious relationship with China because of their um, emphasis on a unique Taiwan identity, because of the um, short-lived emphasis of the previous president, DPP president, Chen Shui-bian, on actually declaring independence. So for for China, the issue lies in who the messenger is rather than... um, rather than the concept in itself of independence. Because for China, even if the KMT is saying that the ROC is sovereign, there was the agreement under the 1992 consensus that there is one China. And for that, at that point in time, was sufficient enough for China. How do you think Beijing views President Tsai in particular? Do they have concerns about what she may try to do when it comes to Taiwan's future? So President Tsai, since her first term, has consistently reiterated that she, her cross-strait policy is on maintaining the status quo, um, of maintaining the dynamic that was pursued by the previous KMT administration. I think for China, the issue is that the DPP is unwilling to acknowledge the 1992 consensus, but for China, the issue is that there is the DPP in power, that the DPP has a different vision for what Taiwan's position in the world should be, and that elements of the party do believe that Taiwan should declare independence. 
Just like Hong Kong, Taiwan is facing a looming date imposed by China on a reunification, as prominently shown in the name of your think tank, Project 2049. Beijing has long declared that the country's great national rejuvenation must be accomplished by 2049, with Taiwan governed by the same principles and powers in China, and that if the Taiwanese people don't freely accept that, then the Chinese military would make it happen. How is 2049, that date, affecting decisions being made now in Taiwan? I think in Taiwan, given how the democratic system is, everything is more is viewed more in terms of this current administration, the next current administration. Um, there is the concern of what what does the China threat post Taiwan militarily. In terms of the Taiwan people, I don't think there's that great of a concern of what was to come 29 years down the line. In 1996, China fired missiles near Taiwan in order to suppress pro-independence movements in Taiwan's government. But at that time, it was not believed that China could follow that display up with an invasion. What has Beijing done since then to change that calculus? So since 1996, Beijing has pursued a rather aggressive um, policy of military modernization. They've studied how the U.S. Um, has acted in um, its engagements in the Middle East. So it has ramped up its military budget, its military modernization, it's reformed its military, um, primarily with the consideration of how it could take Taiwan, but also with the consideration of if the U.S. comes to Taiwan's defense. Does China have a range of options for trying to coerce Taiwan? Do you think it could rely on missiles and airstrikes, or would it need to go all in with a land invasion? I think from the military side, China has a number of options it can pursue. I, from what I understand, its goal is an eventual land invasion, but leadership in Beijing understands the high cost of pursuing a military route. Um, and the military option isn't the the single element in China, China's toolkit towards Taiwan. Um, we've seen a lot of options across the spectrum that China is doing to try to bring Taiwan closer within its fold. Um, we see this through a number of influence operations. It's um, economic agreements that try to bring Taiwan closer to China economically. It's estimated that Taiwan security systems are being hit with a staggering 10,000 cyber attacks per month. How is Taiwan dealing with that? Uh, so the current Thai administration has set up a, I don't recall the exact name for it, but a cyber force. Um, they have a cyber minister that looks, that focuses on ways to counteract these threats by um, utilizing the island's natural advantages of having so many young people working in tech. So they've, they're working with the private sector to find means of optimizing their networks so that they can better resist threats from China. A big question is whether the U.S. would jump in to help Taiwan in the event of hostilities breaking out. The Taiwan Relations Act has been in place for over 40 years, but does it compel the U.S. to help Taiwan in the event of war? It does seem to be vague in some of those respects. How does Taipei view that document and relationship with the U.S.? Uh, so the Taiwan Relations Act does leave that bit ambiguous. It states that the U.S. must... Um, support Taiwan, must provide for Taiwan's defense. And some some elements of that is seen in providing um, weapon systems to Taiwan and deliberately 
unclear on whether that means that if there was a Chinese attack on Taiwan, if the U.S. would come to Taiwan's aid. It's understood in Taiwan that that's ambiguous. So leadership in Taipei has to work on procuring arms in coming up with a plan to defend Taiwan if the U.S. does not come to its aid. There has been an uptick in the number of U.S. naval vessels sailing through the Taiwan Strait under the Trump administration. What effect do you think that's had on Taiwan and on China? I think in Taiwan, it sends a signal that the U.S. is committed to the region. So it's not just a signal to Taiwan, but also to U.S. allies in the region, such as Japan and South Korea, that are facing similar threats um, from China. And the U.S. is selling $8 billion worth of F-16 fighter jets to Taiwan, the first time it's sold those jets to Taipei since 1992, something the Obama administration was not keen on as it wanted to avoid upsetting China. How critical is this move in the cross-strait relationship? The willingness of the Trump administration to to sell the F-16s to Taiwan uh, sends a strong signal that it's committed to providing for Taiwan's defense. What kind of impact have the protests in Hong Kong had on Taiwan? And, and how do Taiwanese view the protests in Hong Kong? The Hong Kong protests are being watched very closely in Taiwan because the one country, two systems framework that Hong Kong is under is the same framework that Beijing has proposed for China, for Taiwan um, if it were to ever unify with China. Um, Taiwan's people have, the Hong Kong protests have largely shown to Taiwan's people that the system doesn't work. It doesn't preserve the same, um, it doesn't preserve the democratic values that it promises it would. It doesn't allow for the level of autonomy that it said it would. And I think we saw this play out in the recent elections. We saw how closely the people of Taiwan were watching the protests in Hong Kong and how effective the Thai administration, the Thai campaign, was at weaving a narrative of how her administration and her party is best able to defend Taiwan and preserve the values that the people hold dear. Now, this has been going on for several months, and there have been repeated warnings and fears from observers that the PLA would come in and crack down on the Hong Kong protesters. That has not happened yet. Do you think that that possibly gives greater confidence to Taipei and President Tsai and the government that, you know, Beijing may say a lot, but they're not going to act on those threats? I think... How the Hong Kong situation is being handled overall is not reassuring to the Taiwanese people, regardless of whether there is military action. We see that in how um, the police, the Hong Kong police are handling the situation and the amount of violence towards the protesters. I wanted to talk to you about the coronavirus also. Uh, how big of a factor is this in the relationship between Taiwan and China, with Taiwan banned from the World Health Organization at the request of Beijing. Does this put Taiwanese at greater health risk? It definitely does. And the Taiwanese people have not forgotten how mishandling of the SARS situation in the early 2000s at the hands of China and the same um, move by China in the WHO to prevent uh, samples of viruses to be sent to Taiwan researchers and preventing um, WHO researchers from being on the ground in Taiwan to assist with the situation. That is all very fresh in their minds of how little consideration there is for the health of Taiwan's people and how cross-strait politics and how 
Taiwan is viewed internationally somehow takes precedence over their livelihoods. President Tsai was given a lot of credit uh, during her campaign from voters over her administration's success in preventing African swine fever from spreading into Taiwan from China. Uh, do you think that played a large role in her, in her re-election? I don't think the case in and of, of itself played a role in her re-election, but I think just overall the effectiveness of her policies and showing um, how she sees policies that she proposes through of being accountable to the people, of being an effective leader, that overall affected, helped her secure her re-election. What do you think China's red line is when it comes to Taiwan? So China's red line originally was a formal declaration of independence from Taipei. I don't think either party, either of the main parties right now would pursue um, such a move. But there also seems to be growing impatience in Beijing with how cross-strait relations are going. Um, the 1992 consensus that I mentioned earlier used to be the acceptable framework for cross-strait relations, and that was something pursued by the KMT in, this, in Beijing. But in his 2018, I believe, New Year's speech, Xi Jinping added a new element to the 1992 consensus, seemingly tying it to a one-country, two-systems formulation under unification. Um, that formulation is unacceptable to both the KMT and the DPP. So it's unclear what Beijing is willing to tolerate in terms of cross-trade agreements or whatever serves as the foundation for cross-trade relations moving forward. And that will be something that is to be seen moving forward into Taiwan's second administration. I know 2049 seems like a long time from now, but it doesn't appear on the surface, at least, that Beijing will get its wish anytime soon that Taiwanese will freely assent to Chinese rule over Taiwan. Is that the, the general impression? Is that a correct impression that the Taiwanese people want to remain independent from China? Yeah, so the Taiwanese people want to keep their um, way of life, their current democratic system, and we saw how important this was to them in the election two weeks ago. And the world will be watching closely on that relationship as the 2049 deadline approaches. Jessica, thank you for joining me here on The Crisis Next Door. Thank you for having me. We've been joined by Jessica Drun, a non-resident fellow with the Project 2049 Institute. Thanks for joining The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.